Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki, and this week we have as our guest, Alex Martin. We had some big racing in MXGP at Pietra Morata in Trentino, Italy. I'll tell you, in the 450 class, MXGP class, it was the Jeff Hurling show. He was on fire this week and wins his 185th GP moto. So in his long career, he's looking strong and he's riding steady and consistent and wants to win the title. Uh, really, uh, in Moto1, Jeremy Sewer took the whole shot for Hurlings, passed him for the lead and was gone. And in Moto2, it was more of the same, but this time it was Romain Fabra taking the lead. But halfway through, Hurlings took it home and uh, he's just uh, really looking like the championship contender we expected him to be and he's riding conservative and safe and uh, not trying to win everything in front of him. So uh, we're really excited in this MXGP class. In MX2 racing, it continues to be the Renault show. Tom Vial is uh, getting every hole shot and leading every race and making a small comeback in points, but he still sits a distant third. But really, Renault, with his 92-point lead over his teammate, Iago Geertz, has just looked solid all year. So we'll watch the rest of this series to, uh, unfold and see how things turn out uh, by the end of the season. Exciting race results in MotoGP of Italy at the Masano circuit. We do have a world champion in MotoGP now. Fabio Quartararo clinches the title at this race with a 67-point lead over Bagnaia. It was disappointing weekend for Bagnaia, who crashed out of the lead who really would have contended him till the end of the series. But here we are, two rounds left, and uh, Quartararo has taken the title. So congratulations to that young man and his uh, future career. Really, a lot of emotions in this uh, race between Bagnaia and Quartararo, congratulating each other after the race. But the big news was Valentino Rossi and his swan song retirement race. He finished 10th on the day, but you couldn't tell. The, the, the stands were just filled with high-vis yellow and number 46 is flashing because you're in Italy and uh, you're at his final race. So it was pretty exciting to watch Rossi leave the track for uh, his last time. And also big news of the day, Mark Marquez takes the win over Paul Esperago. So we had a Honda 1-2 finish. So really one of the greatest uh, events of the weekend. And uh, we look forward to the last couple rounds, but we do have a world champion. Some exciting results from the GNCC final at Ironman Raceway. Really, folks, this one came down to the end. It was a narrow points gap going into the round. It was eight points between Ben Kelly and Stu Baylor. But really, the big news were the conditions. It rained an awful lot this last weekend. And I'll tell you what, um, you could tell it was just a muddy mess. A lot of the lead racers in the XC1 class were actually stuck in the creek crossing at the start of the first uh, part of the race. But uh, by the end of the race, it shaked out, and Thad Duvall wins his first race of the year. Good to see him back after all his injuries. 
followed by Josh Strang. But really, the title came down to Ben Kelly winning it. He is your GNCC XC1 champion with 304 points over Stu Baylor, who uh, fought back hard. You know, he fought through a lot of injuries this year, but uh, didn't bring it home. But uh, we're pretty excited for him in next year. So uh, we'll watch this series closely. This week's industry spotlight, Kawasaki brand has announced that the motorcycle segment will be all electric by the year 2035. This is big news for this company, who's really known for a lot more than motorcycles. They're actually building ships at the Kawasaki uh, manufacturing facility. But in addition to releasing the 10 new models in the next four years to set the tone in the industry towards that uh, electric platform, the plan is to roll out these models in developing countries first and then introduce them to the main markets, which are United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, and Japan by 2035. So pretty aggressive move by Kawasaki to announce an all EV platform. And I think it's pretty significant because they have yet to release an EV motorcycle or a vehicle. So they've got some work ahead of them, but uh, we're pretty excited to see how that develops. Stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown Racing Report, your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene. Every week, we recap racing action from all around Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform. This week's moment in moto history is Yamaha in 2021. Honestly, they're winning every major championship this year. It's just been unbelievable for the brand. They're actually leading some of the series that haven't finished this year, such as World Superbike and MXGP. You know, and all things considered, uh, definitely one of the strongest brands. They've just sealed the MotoGP title with Fabio Quartararo. They have the AMA 450 Outdoor title with Dylan Fernandez and Moto America Superbike title with Jake Gagne. They won the AMA Flat Track Singles with Dallas Daniels and the AMA 250 Supercross West and East with Justin Cooper and Colt Nichols. Yamaha, they've always invested in racing and it shows and uh, it's really exciting to see them succeed and uh, we're gonna watch them closely in 2022. Welcome back to Pit Pass Moto. Alex Martin, pro racer, veteran racer, we want to say now, because he's been in the uh, professional ranks for quite a while. Alex, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a fun time coming on the Pit Pass radio show. Yeah, we appreciate that. And uh, you've got big news. You've got a new uh, situation to talk about, and I'll let you take that and go ahead and fill in the blanks. Yeah, so after the outdoor season, um, I was actually on the Pulp Show, and I announced that I was going to be doing the 450 class. Definitely wanted to be on the Yamaha, but you know I was kind of just searching for a 450 ride at that point. And um, Brandon Haas called me from Club MX, and 
and, you know, said that they were going to be doing East and West and doing the whole season outdoors and basically offered me a 450 ride. And, you know, obviously with the kind of the crappy year that I had and stuff, I basically just jumped on the opportunity. I was like, absolutely, you know, just to, to have uh, be on a Yamaha and have the good quality support that Club MX has. I was all about it. So pretty stoked on the opportunity to do 450 full-time next year. Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited to see it fold out for you for next year. And uh, it looks like to me that Club MX has really expanded their program. I mean, they were originally a 250 program, but now they're moving into the 450s with yourself. And I see they brought Phil Nicoletti on and uh, they put him on a 250 for next year, which I kind of thought was uh, was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um you know, he's a good friend of mine and just, uh, you know, the, I would, if you would have told me, yeah, and you're, you know, when you're in your thirties that you're going to be in a 450 and Phil steps down to the 250 class, <laughs> I would have been like, you're crazy. But, you know, I guess stepping back, like, you know, when I turned pro in 2009, like I definitely never imagined that I would be a 250 career guy or have spent like, you know, 12 plus years in the 250 class. But I just think with my height and weight and it's easier to, I don't know, there's just more job opportunities really in the 250 class you know, and kind of more or less been a career 250 guy. But, you know, now that I'm kind of getting a little bit older, I was like, God, if I never get an opportunity to do 450 in my career, I feel like I'm going to really regret it when it's all said and done. So uh, definitely taking uh, this opportunity with club very seriously and, and looking to kick some ass. And I'm excited to be teammates with Phil and, and all the guys. And like I said, the club of Mex team has come a long way. They, they have a lot of funding and support from different sponsors that it seems like they're kind of on the up and up and seems to be a, a good team to be on going into next year. So I'm excited. For sure. And I think uh, their success last year was, was a good, or I say last year, but this season in 2021 was a good indicator because Nicoletti was uh, was pretty strong all year. But now for you, um, you know, big change. It's going to the 450, which is, you know, quite a bit more horsepower, larger motorcycle. How's that going for you? How much testing have you done? And has that been going well? Yeah, it's good. So I'm enjoying it. I guess I took eight weeks off after Unadilla um, just because I injured my wrist there in the second moto. So I didn't ride for two months. And when I signed the club deal, I actually – rode for a couple weeks outdoors um and then now i've been on two weeks on supercross it's definitely the yamaha 450 it's a big bike definitely a lot heavier than the 250 you know so i think the key thing there is going to be lightening it up and you know obviously just being smart you know you have to respect the 450 and be and be careful there's things you can get away with on a 250 where a 450 you're just going to get you know thrown to the ground so yeah just respecting that thing and i think you know testing there's going to be some testing days coming up with enzo suspension that we have scheduled uh beginning in november just making sure the bike is set up and comfortable and that sort of thing so it should be fun i really gotta ask is there has there really been any oh shit moments on the 450 for you <laughs> uh yeah like almost every day i feel like um you know, like I said, you got to respect that thing. And the Supercross track at Club MX is, is pretty technical so far. So right now they kind of built like a, it's more of a rhythm track. There's no Supercross triples and no finish line. It's just all rhythms. And then there's one set of whoops, um, you know, and I was like, first couple times riding it, I felt like I had no fitness whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be, be tricky, but you know, that's, it's good training for sure. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yourself, you're a guy who's been pro for, I think, 12 years, if my math is correct. And one of the guys in his 30s who's who's making a strong go of it. And no doubt you have the, the capability. We've seen it. A lot of the big pro racers are retiring in their late 20s. I, I've always looked and seen that 
27 is the magic number. So uh, what's the secret to uh, to racing in your 30s and what's in your program to get you there? Mm, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. Like you think about um, like Ricky and Stuart and Villapoto, those guys, like they were all retired around 27. I guess for myself, you know, I figured by the time I got to 30, I'd be done. You know, here I am at going to be 32 this week and I'm still going strong. And so I've been riding a little bit with Justin Brayton. He's been at Club MX for quite a long time now, living in Charlotte. Um, and, you know, it's I think there's a lot of factors that kind of are attributed to that longevity with like just the balance in the family life. You know, a lot of racers are married now or doesn't that wasn't the case like 10, 15 years ago. You know, I think the on the training side, just like there's technology and things coming up that helps racers with recovery and being a little bit smarter about that and not necessarily, you know, knowing when to, to back it down and when to, when to train hard is, is key. You know, and I think the, the testing and the bikes have, have gotten safer as well um, and just better in general. But I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that kind of attribute to like, you know, and I don't think it's just like me or Justin Brayton. There's a lot of people that are racing later and later into their thirties. So I don't know. I think it's cool to see, you know, you see people like Tom Brady playing football, like, you know, he's 42 or whatever. And I, I think it's cool for like, from a brand perspective to, you know, like keeping the same number and, and these guys like racing longer and longer in your career. I think it's good for the fans and it's good for the racers obviously too. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that brings brand recognition for your for your number 26 out there and people see that and they see the longevity and they, they become associated to it. Now, I know you've got... Uh, uh, a strong training program with the troll training program with John Wessling. Kind of talk about his program and what he's done for you as far as contributing to that longevity. John's been a huge part of my program for about four years now. He actually trained my brother. He was the Geico trainer for um, quite a few years and trained my brother. And then um, after basically, yeah, he hopped on board about four years ago with me. And it's, it's cool because he's worked with me long enough now to where it's, you know, he knows my strengths and weaknesses and, and kind of when to push me, when to tell me to chill out, relax. I think a lot of high level athletes, usually it's, it's more about like telling us to chill out than to, to do the extra mile, you know? So no, it's cool. And, you know, we, last year we started this troll training thing and, and that's kind of taken off and it's been really fun too. We just working with, you know, there's a lot of things that John and I have learned these last 10, 15 years of kind of being at the top level of our sport, you know, nutrition, training, all that on and off the bike and being able to kind of have a platform to give to the general public, you know, the vets and the amateurs just for training. I know there's a lot of stuff that I always questioned, you know, when I was racing growing up and, and now I feel like it's kind of settled my mind a little bit, the more knowledge I've gained. It's kind of cool to have a platform to to bring, you know, give that to the the average consumer. So that's been fun. And yeah, just for, for my own personal career, John's been huge and giving me, um, being that I'm going to be going up to the 450 class next year, putting on a little bit of weight, a little bit of upper body mass, like being a 250 career guy, I was always focused about being lighter, you know, cause it was a power to power to weight ratio thing in the, in the 250 class, whereas the 450, it's a big bike and a lot of horsepower and you don't necessarily have to worry about the weight so much. So bulking up a little bit so that I have the strength is going to be key for next year. And then being that I'm on Club MX, also you have, you know, when I'm up there, I'm training with Brandon and, and those guys and, and they're doing a lot of the riding program for me. So um, I'm, I'm excited about the, the program I have for next year and looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's a strong program because you're definitely one of the strongest riders we've seen. And one of the interesting things I saw on the troll training site is uh, blood testing as a way to identify um, 
let's say maybe deficiencies in your in your blood system to uh, to help tweak your program and make you stronger. Talk about that and how that's uh, helped you as far as becoming a stronger, more endurance, uh, reliable athlete. Yeah. So the basically, Troll Training teamed up with the Athlete Blood Test Company. You know, for me, that's been something that's been very important in my career. Probably the last six years, so I've done blood tests um, from two to four times a year, just being able to keep tabs on you know certain markers in my body. You know, whether it was testosterone, thyroid magnesium electrolyte levels, you know, red blood cell health, all that sort of thing. I think it's important, you know, especially if you're, if you're a high level athlete and you're asking a lot out of your body day in and day out, you have to keep tabs on it um, and make sure you're feeling right. Your nutrition, your diet's on par, rest and recovery is on par. And the best way to do that really is through like analyzing the data that your blood gives you, you know? And so for us, like having a training program too, it's, I think it's really important because you have, you don't necessarily know a lot of people's different, their background, right? With how much the training they did previously, where the nutrition status is at. So like having kind of a baseline blood test helps us to kind of give them the best program and not, you know, maybe a little more rest for some people, a little more strength. Cause obviously for, for us, it's like being in the gym, strength and conditioning is helpful for bumping up testosterone where like, if you're doing too much cardio, that can usually deplete testosterone. Um, or like essentially having more healthy fats in your diet is going to be good for hormone production and like testosterone and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of little nuances when it comes to, you know, health and just, I guess, having a blood test is really important for, for giving us a, a better direction for our athletes and for myself personally. Yeah. And I can imagine for just general health for most people, I think that's a great idea. And, uh, it's, it's one of those things that makes me wonder, there was always this rash of, pro racers that pushed themselves too hard all season. And we saw Epstein Barr set in to where the point was they were just depleted and they couldn't do what they needed to do. And I just wonder if this is one of those things that would have identified it sooner, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that it's Epstein Barr is, is definitely something that I think is preventable and there's, there's plenty of telltale signs. It really comes down, I think just being, you know, ignoring ignoring your what your body needs and you know i think there's certain markers within blood tests that kind of can tell you like okay back you need to back it down like you're going you're going down a rabbit hole that's not good to be getting epstein bar when you're associated with like you know it's not a good look i guess for the trainer you know if your athlete does have epstein bar it's definitely something that i think is preventable but you just you have to pay attention to your body yeah and i 100 percent agree and it just shows the commitment that professional racers have to provide in order to succeed in this sport. And uh, you're one of those guys who's been able to do it. And honestly, Alex, we're very excited for you in 2022 with your new program. Looking forward to seeing you on the starting gate in the 450 class, man. So now is the time you could uh, give a shout out to any new sponsors that came in with your new program that you want to talk about. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's always always uh, fun to come on here and talk moto. I'm Mostly just really grateful for the Club MX guys giving me an opportunity in the 450 class. Um, like I said earlier, definitely would regret it if I didn't get a chance to give the 450 a go for a full season. Yeah, Club MX guys and FXR has really stepped up this year and, and they're going to be doing the, obviously the gear and then 60 FXR helmets and Yamaha stepped up big and um, I'm a comeback and ATVs and more, Scott Jeffrey Holmes. There's a lot of unique sponsors, I guess, that have contributed to club, you know, Twisted Development, Enzo, um, FMF. So there's a lot of, Darnay, there's a lot of cool people involved and, and hopefully we can 
do right by them and give them some good exposure and results next year. Awesome, and we look forward to it. Thanks again, Alex, for coming on the show. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Upcoming race events, we've got the MXGP of Italy still in Trentino, October 27th. That's round 15 of 18, so their season is slowly coming to an end. MotoGP of Portugal at the Algarve International Circuit, November 7th. That's round 17 of 18. We've got World Superbike of Indonesia, round 12 of 13, coming up uh, November 7th. Thank you again to our guests for being with us today, and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us in your favorite podcast app so you can never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Are you also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. I'm Dave Selecki. See you next week. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!